sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and Lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come into poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Just as you were once disobedient to God. 
receive mercy because of their disobedience. So they now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned us all in disobedience, so that he may be merciful to all. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
was the English Reformation that called for their use twice each day, I mean the Old Testament. And the Articles of Religion, written at that time and printed at the back of the prayer book, hint, remind me, uh, hint in one place, the overarching unity of the scriptures. Even though the books of the Bible were written over a span of many centuries. For example, Joseph's brothers thought they were facing a hostile foreign official. The Canaanite woman and Jesus likewise were foreigners to each other. In both stories, unity overcomes division. At 8 o'clock, I noticed for the first time that St. Paul identifies himself as being the tribe of Benjamin. And there is Benjamin in our first reading. Despite the fact that these readings in the Gospel were chosen on these particular Sundays, separately and without any relationship to, any, to one another. But one of my personal and private readings of the Joseph story, the tense meeting recorded today, brought to my mind, at least, the last meeting of Jesus and his twelve men in the upper room on the eve of Good Friday. Both today's lesson and the chronicle of the Last Supper are full of deep emotion. Joseph's revelation of himself to his brothers and Jesus's revelation to his disciples. Both are done in secret. Both have to do with food, and both have a special, clear member, dear member of the group. In today's case, it is Benjamin, the youngest son, and Joseph's only full brother. And in the case of the Last Supper, there is the beloved disciple who leaned on Jesus' breast. Both involve fear and uncertainty and the dread of mortality. The brothers are afraid of how this official in Egypt will act and the disciples must finally have had a sense of foreboding about their safety in Jerusalem. Both incidents show a promise of salvation. Joseph promises, you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children. And Jesus promises, this is the new covenant in my blood 
which shall be poured out for you and for many for the remission of sins. When we were able to see the relationship between the various parts of the Bible, the Old and New Testament specifically, we are reading the Bible thoughtfully. That means that we do not dismiss these old stories as legends from a long ago culture that cannot speak to us today. And what is even worse, we do not read these stories and congratulate them ourselves on how enlightened and progressive we are as children of the gospel. We are able to see God's plan throughout the history of God's people. In the same way, when we look back at our lives, our young lives in particular, we will not see merely childish foibles and adolescent excesses, but experiences that made us who we are now. The church fathers were very good at doing this, and I've been marveling at this lately, how they were able to apply to their preaching and writing obscure verses from the whole scripture, even though they had to do, had to use hand-copied parchments, which were expensive and must have been a limited supply. How they seem to have in their minds and at their fingertips a concordance of scripture long before the modern invention of computers. When we read Genesis, or any other book written before the birth of Christ, we should read it as who we are, a member of Christ, and see in it the preparation for the gospel. Because a spiritual person does not put that much stock in coincidence. The spiritual person can look back and see the hand of God in his or her life and render thanks for divine providence. Usually we see these connections only once in a while. Otherwise we would scarcely be able to function as free human beings. For example, I made a ton of home visits in my early years after ordination. And I knew the names of the streets better than I do the streets of the city I like now living. But one visit stands out. It was a visit to a person who greeted my unexpected arrival in tears because she had just received some devastating news. These are like the angelic visits in the book of Hebrews. Occurrences like that do not happen all the time because God knows we are too weak to handle too many of them. This visit 
in fear and trembling by the sons of Jacob to their brother Joseph, the one they had treated so despicably. Finally broke down Joseph's official self, even unto the shedding of tear, tender tears. When he invoked the name of God, actually said God, because in this particular narrative, the sacred name of God is not used at all. But he mentioned the uh, title God, the word God. When he mentioned God, then his brothers could finally breathe easy. Because until then, they were afraid that they would have to return to their father empty-handed, or even worse, be locked up in the Egyptian dungeon. When Joseph embraced his brother Benjamin, who had not been born when Joseph was rescued into Egypt, that was the outward and visible sign, the definition of a sacrament, if you will, that everything would be all right all around. Because all that had happened until then had been God's preparation for what was yet to be. But usually we ourselves can only understand this by looking back and most of the time it is we don't have the time or it is too painful to look back. Three separate times <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, and Luke record that Jesus warned his disciples that he himself had to suffer and die, but they were deaf. Only when he appeared to them in his prison self did they finally understand what had happened and why it had to be. We should take the habit occasionally of looking back now and then when we have a quiet time. Even maybe take precious time and go on a retreat. I still remember, as if it were yesterday, the retreat I took in Narragansett, Rhode Island, at the invitation of your rector. And some of you may remember his name, if you were a member here in the 70s. But I remember it well. We should examine, at times like that, where God has taken us to the point where we are today. For otherwise, everything will just seem like a series of coincidences without any higher meaning. What we come up with will not usually be as dramatic as the tense meeting of Joseph in the palace, with his brothers, or the emotion in the humble upper room at the Last Supper. 
that every soul is precious in God's eyes, and we all have our own stories. I learned recently that experts in preaching, and I, I could, I could swear that I was never taught this. They warn us preachers not to tell personal stories, but it's too late for me to learn, and I'm going to copy the copy what the writers of Forward Day by Day do. Years ago, one of my classmates asked me to prepare and speak at the memorial service for the deceased members of my 50th reunion class of the Boston Public Latin School. When I was at school, I was a minority, in a minority, in a minority. I was a non-Anglo-Saxon Protestant Episcopalian living in a very Italian East Boston. My two best friends were Roman Catholic, eager to get me to convert to what at that time, and maybe even now some place, in some places called the One True Church. And around us were a large member of Jewish boys, and we're all male at that time before this is before the modern, <laughs> the modern era. But they, these boys did not believe in making converts, but I was curious, and I used to ask questions and gobble up as much as I could of their culture. And one time, I was honored by being taken home by one of them who showed me their Passover dishes. Now, preparing that memorial service was one of the hardest professional things I have ever had to do. As I said to the Latin school boys, who were now aging men, the only time I had been on the stage of the school auditorium was when I received my diploma. And I could not foresee in 1958 that I would actually have been ordained and remained in ministry through thick and thin and eventually lead an interfaith service in the Catholic Chapel of Emmanuel College with a Jewish prayer and several Protestant hymns. I couldn't imagine that 50 years ago. In fact, I couldn't even have thought it would be possible. Now, Joseph could not have imagined when he was being assaulted and nearly killed 
by his brothers when he was at the age of 17. And we, as we heard last week, that someday he would see them again as in his civil role of prime minister and in his spiritual role of savior. And the disciples did not foresee that the fearful and sad meal in the upper room would make them apostles. And that meal would become the Eucharist of billions of Christians, souls over the ages up until this year of our Lord, 2017. God is good, though oftentimes in our self-absorption and ingratitude we fail to acknowledge it and spend our time in prayer, in petition, a lot of petition, and not so much thanksgiving. This morning, as a body, we are making Eucharist, or Thanksgiving, together. So therefore, thanks be to God for all God's gifts. We believe in one God, Father the Almighty, Maker and Ender of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally God the Father, God to God, light to light, true God to God, God not made, of one King of the Father, through him all things are made.
most of the people today are Form 6, which can be found on page 5 in your bulletin. In peace we pray to you, Lord God. For all people in their daily life and work. We will exalt you, O God, our King. We pray for all who have died that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. Be your compassion and forgive us our sins. No, no, no. Thanks, God, for the left of them. And so uphold us by your Spirit that we may live and serve you in newness of life to the honor and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, most great mercy. 
Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us and offered him sacrifice from.
Constancy and 
make him and in him. In the energy of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Hallelujah, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for and lead on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving.
In the name of this congregation, I send you both forth bearing these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ, body and blood. May you Let us go forth in the name of Christ. 